The show you're about to hear is a member of the Plains Talkers Podcast Network. To find out more, go to plainstalkerspodcast.com. Plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one man. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Snapcaster makes stories. It does. Things like Grizzle Brand, you gotta go. Things like Force Negation should probably go. Things like Prismatic Ending should maybe go. Like, every archetype could lose a lot of cards. Brainstorm, Ponder, Preordain. Pick one of them. The other two go. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. We are proud members of the Planesuckers Podcasting Network, and we're here to talk magic. Matt, how you doing today? I am well rested. Yeah. Two days in a row. Two days in a row. Uh, normally it takes literally a national holiday for that yeah. to happen. I mean, in fairness, when was the last time you like got two days off in a row? It was, I do get a couple weeks of vacation. Yeah. And I did just have New Year's Eve weekend and Christmas weekend. You get the whole weekend. I got Saturday and Sunday both gotcha. weekends. Gotcha. Okay. So like it was fairly, but if we exclude that stuff, it's six to seven days a week, every week. Yeah. Like 49 weeks I mean, out of the year. Yeah, usually six or seven month stretches before you can even, like, you get the chance of maybe having two days off. Yeah. So in a row. Yep. Hung out all day yesterday playing Final Fantasy XI. Went and saw Spider Man No Way Home, and that was great. No spoilers, but it's great. I've heard a lot of good things about it from everyone that's talked about it. It is a very good movie in the Marvel Universe. It brings in some other stuff, uh, which probably isn't a spoiler to anybody at this point, but I'm not going to, again, I won't go into de- details. Yeah. People have been. It a- is a pretty big movie, so I don't want to. You like know, and apparently it's very spoiler heavy because it is. I've heard multiple places talk about it and they're like on you or like I'm not saying anything about Correct. it. It is very much a holy crap kind of thing. Gotcha. Now, if you spend a whole lot of time on the internet, you're gonna have you're gonna have some idea of what's going on. But it was very good. Uh I disagree with a lot of people's I've heard it a lot from a lot of sources that like, hey, you know, this is way better than like Avengers Endgame and stuff like that. And I disagree there. I think the thing that made the Avengers Endgame and uh, Infinity War and Endgame so great is it I mean it just you start from Iron Man and then you're finally getting this payoff across a couple dozen movies dozens of characters and it's all culminating into this huge event I mean 10 years like I I remember being a child watching Iron Man right and it was amazing yep and then I was you know graduated from college watching Endgame where things happen I guess spoiler alert I, like watching how things wrap up it was fucking crazy yeah. so it was very good there were a couple very very moving moments again i'm not going to go into any spoilers and if you've been watching comic book movies over the last two or three decades you'll really like it Ooh. so that's all i'll say about that so saw that been playing final fantasy 11 derek and i played a little bit over the weekend so i was kind of showing him the ropes on some of the content you can do has noah gotten on again no. <laughs> no, got his worked his way up to killing some saplings in the Highlands and was like, ah, uh, no thanks. Did he like bail out? He doesn't want to play anymore, or did like did know. WoW get fun again? I don't know because he was on a break from WoW. Yeah. So realistically, and I've never blamed anybody for this, and it's one of the reasons why, like, I always want to try to get people to play Eleven, but I'm always hesitant. At the same time, there is a whole hell of a lot of like upfront legwork to get going mm-hmm. and i mean you were you were on discord with us when we were walking through it yeah. it was like for the first 45 minutes Noah didn't even swing a sword because yep. it was just like we need to go do this and this and this and this the i mean from from the minute of deciding you want to play final fantasy 11 
um, until you actually get to start playing is like the world's worst unskippable tutorial. Yeah. Of just even stuff, just getting an account going is a nightmare. Stuff that needs to happen. Yeah. Because all this stuff is, I mean, it's from 2002. Yep. So we're talking <laughs> 20, literally 20 years now. Um, the the 20th anniversary is this year. I forget when exactly the what yep. month it is, but everything's just super antiquated. And it's fine once you. It's kind of like playing Moto. Like, yeah. It's fine once you've kind of taken the plunge and you've well, gotten used to it. It's not even fine. It's like you don't even notice it. Yeah. Like you could you could play Moto uh, as a first person per and like just complain about the first 10 things you see. And it's like, I don't even see that stuff anymore. Correct. Like I see what you're getting at, how that's annoying that it does that or you have to set special stops or but like you it doesn't even count anymore. Right. And I'm sure that's the same. It's the exact same way. Yep. But it's very hard to get people to go, hey, I need if you want to play this. There's a great game at the end of this like hundred hour hurdle that you yeah. need to jump over I and I will help you and I will hold your hand through the hundred hour hurdle, but there's no getting there. There's no skipping it. Like if you play something like wow and say you bought, uh, you wanted to play retail wow today, you would create your character and it's designed to funnel you as quickly as possible into end game content while teaching you how to play on, uh, how to play your class. Right. Yeah. Well, so most games are these days. Correct. They all, I shouldn't say all, but most of the, the content takes place at max level now. It didn't used to, but it does now. The difference is they plop you down in town and don't give you hardly any instruction at all. Yeah. That was so, the, like the bulk of your time with me was like walking me through town to unmarked NPCs. Like, right. cause at least we were playing and very vague quest text when and, we were playing. Wow. Like, you get the whole like this dude has an exclamation on his on his head and on the map yep. and on the over like he's easy to find. I don't have that in eleven. Correct. It's, it was gonna when I when I downloaded Call of Duty Cold War and they wanted my phone number and my email. <laughs> I was like I was almost like this is too much. I don't want to deal with this. Right. That was almost too much. Whereas our friend Noah, I want to say he spent fifty minutes. Yeah, <laughs> he was about to, to rage quit just trying to get his account set up. And I'm the same way, like trying to set up one of the three accounts you need right it's a long ordeal the yep. the crappy thing is at the end is probably one of the most deep and complicated games mm -hmm. with like tons of content to yep. do and it's just gated behind some stuff and the, you know what actually makes me really mad we're just gonna sit here and talk about video games all day i guess magic's been quiet this week final fantasy 14 and everyone gets timestamps anyway so if you Correct. hate this that much go to the timestamps so if you if you were to start playing final fantasy 14 at least this was the way i I, I played up to the last expansion. I haven't played the most recent expansion, but for, I forget how much it is, 40 or 50 bucks, something like that. You can literally skip all the quests. Oh, uh, you can do that in WoW too, can't you? Yeah, you can just you can be like, like, I want a max level character with all the storyline done. I'll pay you 40 bucks to do it. Yeah. And in Final Fantasy 11, they're just like, eat a dick. Yeah. <laughs> you are going to play through, because like all the content, it's not just getting to max level. Like, if you want to fight this boss, you have to have beat the storyline mm -hmm. to fight this boss, right? That that boss is involved in. So there's just so much to do. That's what I've been working on. It's As often as I give the game a lot of crap, it, like, it is a testament to it that this game that came out 20 years ago and is a pain in the butt to get through still has an incredibly thriving uh, player base with a monthly subscription, yada, yada. So, like... I, I crap on the game all the time. It's not my game. I don't I don't enjoy I got it that much. Two more of those drops I've been working for. But yesterday. like it's a testament to like people pay money for what they enjoy. Obviously, a lot of people really enjoy this game. Yep. So that's what I did. Yeah. How about I, you? Uh, speaking of 25 year old games and how people are still paying to play them. Will on the Plain Circus podcast 
Uh, we have a patrons only. It's not patrons only. We we have a he has a realm set up that he has. I want to say like some of his friends and mostly patrons. Yeah. from the kind podcast. of an invite only. Kind of it's 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 a private server. Yes, yeah. and the, the easiest way to get an invite is to be a patron. And I think for as little as a dollar a month. So I finally got onto it. I played a decent bit of Minecraft in my life. I've never been like a Minecrafter. I've never been huge into it, but I have put my share of hours into punching trees. Right. And I finally got onto this server. It was kind of annoying because it's a bedrock server and I have Java. So I had to buy Minecraft again. <laughs> I know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but I got on the server. I think I talked about this a couple of weeks ago, how we had the whole snafu of getting on there. And I've basically my week has been really grinding on that with all my free time. To the point where I even came over, we had a little mini land party. Yep. Because uh, you were helping me design some stuff. So for my Minecraft, I have gotten like a XP farm set up and a fish farm set up. And I, I got pretty like, I got like ton, like 10 stacks of diamonds. I got tons of stuff. I got a full set of nether, netherite armor. Like that's why I, I kind of worked on. I spent like seven or eight hours in the nether mining out uh, netherite. So I'm starting to get into the decorating part. And I have built this giant like monolithic wizard's tower like it's black and it has like dragon stripes or dragon claw marks through it and i was working on that and you helped me like build an addition onto it so now it's turning in from a wizard's tower into like a dark wizard's castle with like double uh double spires on the other side of it uh but like that's been the majority of my time is i've been getting into the meat of minecraft and like minecraft for me really picks up once you start moving past the necessities of it like i need food i need uh, tools i need a place to live. I need a bed. Like once you get past that, we're like, I have more food than I'll ever need. I have maxed out gear with mending and everything. Now I want to make the game look good. And I'm starting to really have fun doing that. I had a lot of fun, like designing, building, tearing down, bouncing ideas off of you. And like, it's starting to look like pretty dope. And if yeah, anyone it looks wants, really good. Anyone check it out. You guys should go, I guess become, I mean, honestly, if you, I guarantee I got, I can get a couple spots. So like if like the next few people, like I almost jumped on today. Yeah. I was real close. I'm like, nah. I'm just saying I could probably one or like, if you're my one, I could probably get maybe one more person and be like, Hey, well, you know, hook me up. Let's get this guy on the server. So like come check out my castle and don't, there's no griefing. So don't take no, any absolutely stuff. no griefing. Absolutely no griefing, including yeah, the-, the person who, uh, his name's Anthony. If you're listening, <laughs> Anthony built a ca- he built a uh, cobblestone hut like 30 blocks away from my castle. <laughs> just I wanting think, to set up shop. I think half of it was to troll me to be like, "That's a cool looking thing you got going on there." He's actually so if you've got a castle and he's in a hut, he's your subject. That's true. He <laughs> like, is. Uh, he's built. He's, yep. he's on what you've claimed yeah. as your land. He's now to, your subject. I need to get some signs up with his chores. Be like, get picturing- him. Plowing those fields. Get the cow's milk, get the crops <laughs> harvested, shear the sheep. Yep. And then you can start cleaning up the castle when you're done. Right. And when you're done, <laughs> into the mines. Yeah. We need more diamonds. <laughs> we need more diamonds. I mean, tax time's coming up, dude. <laughs> right. I'm about to take half your shit. Yep. <laughs> but don't worry. And I'll... you can't resist because I've got armor. And that's literally how that's, it that's, used to that's go. That's how it works. <laughs> You've got a pitchfork and, and I've I got a armor. sword. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm I'm actually a little bit of the reverse as far as Minecraft Minecraft goes. I like the getting up until the point where you've got everything and then once I have everything, that's when I start to like mm-hmm. slowly lose interest and that's one of the reasons when I build I always I always try to go slow and build as I need stuff because that kind of drags out the middle portion of the game for me. Get you. Like I'll normally once I've got the house and everything, I'm like, okay, I'm done. Yep. 
See, my least favorite thing, like I, I mean, the whole like going and building a mine shaft and mining out is fun. But my least favorite thing is like when I want to build something, the seven or eight hours it takes to get the resources to build it. Yeah. So like, you know, I needed, I had a hard time getting ready to build the second tower. I've been thinking about it for a while, but to do that, I needed like ten stacks of deep slate cobblestone, and I just have to go mine it. And I don't. Yep, that's, there's no getting around it. That's why I like playing um, on creative mostly is just because like I just want to have the stuff I like building things and I don't build these huge amazing things you want to look at I just like building things casually Uh, I don't want to have to go I don't want to have to go spend two hours finding a slime chunk and mining it out so I can have slime balls so that I can make sticky pistons because I love doing redstone I like making redstone contraptions and adding redstone stuff here and there and it's crazy complicated and it's also kind of expensive because a lot of the redstone stuff take quartz take slime uh, it takes a lot of iron to make like sometimes hoppers and pistons and Mm -hmm. like you need kind of this like wealth of materials to be able to just do redstone, especially designing redstone. And like, I just don't want to do that. I don't want to go spend (laughs) a bunch of time digging around to find this stuff or hunting it down. No, I don't. Another thing is I don't like building uh, redstone stuff on like dirt or cobblestone. Mm -hmm. Ideally with a large complex redstone build, you would have like distinct colored blocks. Like the best way to do it would be, uh, either colored wool or colored concrete. Yeah. So and, you know which one is. Yeah. So if something happens or something's not working, you can easily track the lines and be like, well, this is my, this is the line that runs to the timer mechanism. This is the line that runs to the, the piston feed tape. This is the line that runs to the opening mechanism. You can troubleshoot easily. And you, it's harder to do that on Minecraft when you're just playing. Like, I need to go make, you know, four stacks of colored concrete. Yeah. That's the part I don't enjoy as much, but I've, gotten a setup where i'm like in a happy middle spot where i've got enough doing pretty good so i can start really getting into the meat of it and making some fun stuff and i like having all my like the best thing was getting all my gear with mending so now i don't have to worry about anything now i just go once in a blue moon go knock out some xp on the xp farm all my stuff's back to full i don't have to worry about losing my good stuff you want to keep talking about 20 year old games (laughs) right (laughs) i was gonna say next up on cantrip cartel gaming episode anywho before we go any further I do want to give a shout out to the Planestalkers podcast. We are a member of the Planestalkers podcast network. Will and Aramis give out a wonderful show every Monday on Twitch at twitch.tv forward slash Planestalkers podcast. Tune in around 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time and like you can watch them do their podcast and they're actually super active in the chat too. So you can like comment and talk to them and they'll respond and you can kind of get on the episode that way. Their podcast usually comes out around Wednesday, and it's available pretty much anywhere our podcast is. So if you're listening to us, you're probably on a website where you can find the Planeswalkers podcast. Check them out uh, at that same Twitch on Wednesdays for their Commander Craft. And if you join the Discord at discord.planestalkerspodcast.com, you can even sign up to play on the uh, Commander games because they basically bring in every week at least one or two non-patrons. They usually save some seats for patrons, and they also usually save some seats for non-patrons. So... Every week, I recommend everyone go check them out. Will and Aramis do a great job putting up a podcast that has pretty much anything you'd ever need to know about Standard and a lot of info about Commander as well. Well, Matt, now that we got that all out of the way, how's Legacy looking? We had a Legacy Super Qualifier this weekend in addition to our challenge. So we will just be going over the Legacy Super Qualifier. That's our pretty standard. We usually try and cover yeah. the biggest tournament. Yeah, we want to be talking about the biggest tournament of the weekend. Yes. Uh, that's where the highest level plays, typically speaking, at. Obviously, there's, you know, variations and stuff. But in general, we want to be talking about highest level play that we can. Biggest stakes, right? So, starting there, we've got 
Yoshiwata taking it or bringing it home with Death and Taxes. Pretty cool because we haven't seen Death and Taxes. Well, we were just topic. talking about it last week. Yeah. Like, where's Death and Taxes? Like, yep. it should be Death and Taxes should be uh, like it's, everywhere. Right? It's right here. Yoshiwata's playing. Yeah, <laughs> found it. <laughs> There's Waldo. <laughs> yep. That's kind of cool. We haven't seen this in a while. Yep. We've got Yori on Death and Taxes. Got that Cathar Commando in the main deck like we were talking about last week. The two Timeless Dragons. Yep. I'd love to see Timeless Dragon. Throw back to one of my favorite cards. Eternal Dragon. These four ofs look fairly stock. The one of like one of Sanctum Prelate. The two Cathar Commandos is a little higher than normal. But like the four ofs, you, the reason you bump up to the Yorian list, get these extra four ofs is pretty standard. Nothing in here looks uh, particularly interesting. Nothing super spicy. Like you'll see a lot of variation in sideboards like... Mind Break Trap is a good mm -hmm. example. Like very not, macabre. Yeah, very macabre. They're not always in Death and Taxes sideboards, but they're cards that we see all the time in sideboards. Yep. Nothing the, super spicy. Death but and, The Death and Taxes is kind of like we've spoken about reanimator sideboards. It is less a hard, fast list of cards. It's a list of ideas. Yes. The sideboard of Death and Taxes is a bunch of ideas and like things you know you want to solve and people find different ways to solve them. Yeah. And I mean, uh, like we talked about, Death and Taxes fundamentally is a control deck. It's deceiving in that way because it, on the surface it can kind of look like an aggro deck until you kind of play with yeah. it against it and Thalia's taxing yep. you and Rashad and Port's taxing you yeah. and every creature you, you play is swords. I mean, or, it's turn five, you've been wastelanded twice and you're under a port. Yeah. Like, geez Louise, let me like, play yeah, this Yeah, this doesn't feel like an aggro deck. No, it doesn't. <laughs> so when you build your sideboard, you're building with that in mind. There's there's a lot of very common cards like Rest in Peace is going to be in most Death and Taxes sideboard. Uh, deafening silence is pretty common stuff like that but they do have a ton of flex slots just like mm -hmm. the whole deck i mean the whole deck there's a lot of flex slots in there that's why you typically see see a lot of death and taxes lists with a bunch of one ofs because we've got recruiter of the guard to fish those one of silver bullets out. yep so uh, yeah, the, the deck gets to kind of really cheat on these like you said silver bullet creatures you know you've only got one peacekeeper or one containment priest and you actually have five yeah, because you've got the one containment priest you bring in, and you've got those uh, four recruiters. Yep, and with Ether Vial, you're you're almost always going to get to cheat on your mana for one or the other mm -hmm. of them, whether the recruiter or the guards free with Ether Vial or whatever you grab. Bunch of control in this week, both in the challenge and the super qualifier, mm -hmm. like controls everywhere. Uh, in second, we've got Jeskai control. Oh, that's cool. Yep, this is the uh, whole breacher days undoing yep. finisher. Second and third are both uh, day breacher. I've heard it affectionately yeah. called. So yeah, looking at the list. You went second or third. Just these these we're, lists we're, are almost yeah, identical. Just like, going on the second one. I mean, literally almost to the card. These are almost identical lists. Yeah. Doesn't look like there's anything too spicy. I mean, the deck itself is I mean, I don't want to call it super spicy, but like we were talking about it. You and I were talking about trying to make something of that combo yep. back in the Oko days, like we talked again, like we talked about last week. So just excited to see it. Like, yeah, it's a cool I list. love seeing Snapcaster Mage in lists again. Like he had kind of gone away for a while, and I was just like, oh, mm -hmm. he he. Snapcaster Mage is one of those cards. He's just a a big fan favorite. People love that card. He's fun to play. He's got interesting things you can do with him. He's not just a generic good card. Mm -hmm. So Snapcaster makes stories. It does. You're like, oh my gosh, I was going into the, you know, in turn ten, and I was able to like, yeah, ponder, snap ponder that found me though i need yeah. right or Makes, you you know you you get you get to set up like cool blocking situations yep. where they swing in and you're like bolt snap bolt block yep. and you've got basically a one card wrath of god or two I, card wrath of god i did that uh, uh the uh, tournament i went to in 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 uh running annapolis i got to like go into a turn it was because I, I had uh yeah swords the hogak comes in for the attack play snapcaster sword your thing block clean board 
Now we're ready to reset. Right. I died to a merit least two turns later, Man. but I had stabilized. <laughs> <laughs> Just wish you had that sword. So. I need another Snapcaster. Yep, or another swords. Yeah. It's uh so yeah, just again, I think a lot of people are gonna be relieved just in general that we're gonna so spoiler alert, there's a lot of blue red delver here, but there's uh none in the top red top yeah. eight. So I mean, only I to jump forward, only five in the whole top thirty two. Yeah. A a decent amount, but uh, another week in a row yes. where we're having Delver kind of get put on the back burner. Now, whether or not that's enough for you is another question, yep. but at least for a couple weeks, it looks like Delver is being handled. Uh-huh. We don't know the causes of that precisely, but yep. uh, in fourth place, we've got a four-color control list. Mm-hmm. This is that red band from, uh, this is Honor- This looks pretty close to Honorog's list. It's not Honorog, this is Trunks 132, but I mean, almost a carbon copy, if not a carbon copy of Honorog's red band list. Yeah, yep. Uh, looking down at we got six forces that's typical one life from the loam expressive iteration you got a band you got you've got the typical band control list you buy expressive in the main and then pyroblast red blast and is it i mean going from the memory of a week or two ago looking at these lists this is it's very close almost card for card based on my memory which no not not i'm not here knocking anybody i i net deck like a mofo but if you've been watching the meta you've seen this deck yeah absolutely so be prepared to beat it it's everywhere if you start seeing life from the loam and sylvan libraries with yep. tropical islands you know what you're playing against i don't want to say it's everywhere but it's it's a known quantity yes, now it is definitely a very real deck fifth place looks pretty cool yeah fifth place we got madness mm-hmm. heck yeah i was really happy to see this deck like come into its own after mh2 one of the best things mh2 did was decks like this prop it up with the fourth wall of uh, the yeah wall is five through eight this is by far my favorite Lion's Eye Diamond deck. Yeah. It's just, the I, I just love it. I just love using a, what, $600 card, $550 card to cast Basking Room. Uh-huh. <laughs> Usually three of them, but yes. <laughs> I know, but it's just, it's yep. hilarious looking at the list. And it's just like, we've got a $5,600 deck. Uh-huh. 2,200 of it is Lion's Eye Diamonds. 1800 of it is Badlands and yeah. another 900 of it's Tegas. The creatures, 96 cents for yep. four, a dollar four for four. Yep. <laughs> Two dollars. Like, for like, four. The, like, as aggressive as these decks are, and if you've seen these decks, they're bonkers fast. I personally think if you want to run this budget, you could run Shocklands for those and you'd be fine. You're not worried about grinding out that much value with those dual lands. You cannot replace the Lion's Eye Diamonds. Though. Yeah, that's the problem. The unlike like, something like Eight Cast was running Lion's Eye Diamond yes. for a minute. That's actually not even the typical list anymore. Yep, totally optional with this. I mean, Lion's this is I- a Lion's Eye Diamond yeah. deck. It's Lion's Eye Diamond turns discarding your hand into an asset. Yes, because it allows you to cast these things for ridiculously cheap. I mean, when Lion's Eye Diamond literally, you discard your hand, you play two Root Wallace, and then you use the Lion's Eye Diamond mana to cast the Anji's Ravenger. Good luck. I mean, good. Lion's Eye or uh, Madness has has made it stock to counter turn one Lion's Eye Diamond. Like if you're if you sit down and your opponent opens up with Lion's Eye Diamond, it is in your best interest to counter them. If you think Madness is a is a in the meta, well, yeah, especially I mean it's not always this case, but there's a lot of times where uh, like something like Storm or uh, Ant won't play their Lion's Eye Diamonds out. So if they're playing it on turn one, you're going well. Either Storm's trying to win right now. Yep. Or madness is trying yeah. to dump their hand. The, the problem is you get you get in a really tough spot where if it is storm, 
clearly I want the storm opponent to resolve his lion's eye diamond and attempt to infernal tutor or whatever, or yeah. attempt to most times <clears throat> that's what you're looking to counter. What's the time twister echo of aeons. Yes. Like that's what I want. I want to wait for them to discard their hand and use the diamond. If you're playing madness by the time the diamond hits the board Way too late, <laughs> it's too late. So it's, it's a I mean, you can counter, you can force a will basking root wall if you it, want. <laughs> it's a rough spot. Yeah. So yeah, just excited to see it. I love madness. If I was getting into Legacy today, Madness would be at a very close second to Elves for me. Like, yeah. I love that kind of deck. The big problem with it is it's one of those, it, it's very poor for onboarding someone new in that nothing applies to anything else. Yep. Like, Except for the basically the Lion's Eye Diamonds about yeah. it. And the, even that doesn't go... Very narrow. It's not like buying Force of Wills yeah. where they go in 60% of the decks. Exactly. Lion's even, Eye Diamond goes in like Even if, like, you know, I think most new players should be very open to the idea of finding a deck that can run Shocklands. And, and maybe get one Badlands and get three uh, Blood Crypts. Right. You know, don't worry about getting all four Badlands because you can fetch that first Badlands and you're going to get shocked a couple times, but it's okay. But this is one of those decks where even if you do get some of the dual lands and you get all the spells, you don't buy yourself into very much. Whereas I was lucky that I, when I was buying into Four Color Snow Control, I basically bought Azorius Control. You know, I, I, didn't, have all, I uh, didn't have all the dual lands at the time. I was kind of leveraging the Astrolabe more. So then when it left, obviously I was totally, you know, up poop creek. Yeah. But it was okay because I had my forces. I had, you know, force negation, force of will, brainstorm, ponder, snapcaster. Yeah, you like got I, half the format. Yeah. I was really easy to flex into just a different blue soup control deck. Whereas getting into this, this is mostly what you're going to play. Yep. And the, the, the other downside, and it's related to what you're saying, you get lion's eye diamonds. And the, even those, even while those go into other decks, your duels don't go into the same decks. Mm -hmm. So you're kind of like buying half of one part of the meta and half of the other yeah. and then cramming it together. Yeah, what deck, runs, like, what deck runs LED and Badlands? Right. Madness, Madness. is the answer. <laughs> <laughs> but like, yeah. I mean, here's the question. What deck runs Taiga? <laughs> it's seeing a lot more play than it used to. I, I mean, look it, at it, man. It's but it's up to almost 450 bucks now. I see it in, uh, I see Taiga in Storm sometimes and Madness. It's but, in... Yeah. I'm brain farting at the moment. Yep, Matt's got to prove me wrong. That's that's probably well, that's, so that's priority right now. Proving you wrong. It's just more like the meme of Taiga being the worst. While it is still like it's not Scrubland. <laughs> Taiga in Scrubland used to be basically the bad ones, right? Yeah. Well, they used to be. Taiga's getting to the point where like it's actually starting to see real play, yeah. as opposed to Scrubland, which is still relocated to the uh, EDH bin. I mean, Scrublands are still two hundred fifty, three hundred bucks. Well, yeah, I mean, that, like, but that's EDH, like yeah. You don't see Scrublands anywhere. Taiga's actually starting to get some actual real traction, for better or worse. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but Reserve List in general is just going up through the roof. Sixth place, we have a four-color control list. Yeah, this was the, this yeah. we were oh, talking yeah, about yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. This yep. was that uh, uh, Sultai list with white. Yeah. Just, uh, it's Sultai with swords and prismatic endings. It has some like it has some really cool cards they chose to put in it. And so like I love playing Sultai lists in Legacy because it lets you play Uro and Baleful Strix. It's a really fun combination to get to have access to. Baleful Strix just gums up. It just makes it does. combat just the worst. Yep. And like with Astrolabe being gone, incredibly better than Ice Fang Quaddle. Right. Like Ice Fang Quaddle's still good, but the number of times Ice Fang Quaddle is online before turn four pretty low unless you well, cast yeah, I mean, two of them in these kind of lists you don't often want to be fetching basics basics in a four color list yeah. like if you can tone that down to like you know like two with a splash like if it's blue white with a splash of green 
But at that point, I don't know why you're splashing. You're probably not going to splash just for Ice Fang Coatl. Yep. And now you got to have more yep. green to support and the other card you're bringing in. If you're splashing for green, you're almost certainly running Uro, at least, or Endurance. Yep. And those are very hard to cast on basics. Correct. Like it just, it just, it's a, it's a card that fights itself. Yep. Whereas Baleful Strix, while it doesn't have flash, is just two mana, one, one, blocks anything, draws a card. And just looks beautiful the whole time. It does a very good looking art. Yes, it is. So yeah, it's got a Baleful Strix. We've got Grist. In the main. In the main. Don't often see, like Grist is seeing a little bit of play uh, in a, like this kind of stuff. Obviously, he's, he's, he's normally like a one of an elves. Cool card. Yep. I think I like where he's at as a planeswalker. He doesn't. It's interesting to see him without any way to tutor him out. Grist sees most, like most of the time he sees play, it's because decks are cheating him out with Green Sun Zenith or maybe Natural Order in a pinch. Uh, this deck is literally just going to draw him and cast him. But he's he's a good answer to most problems. Notably, I think he's the best thing he answers is Murktide. Yeah. And he's a three mana answer to Murktide. He's just that, super grindy. Especially too. if you can stick him, then like Murktide's off the top for your opponent is dead now. Right. Like I have a I have a grist. Yeah, once he's online, it's just go yep. ahead and tap out for that guy. Regardless. I will kill you eventually because I'm making one ones every turn. So like I will if this game grinds out, I'm gonna kill you. And then anything you play where that's relevant, I'm just gonna ping off and die with these one ones I don't care about. Yeah, and he's got a little bit of synergy uh, by milling yourself one mm -hmm. with Uro. Yep, helps Unlike fuel. the awesome synergy of Wirewood Symbiote being an insect, every now and then in Elves you get to mill a Wirewood Symbiote. I mean, in fairness, you probably wanted <laughs> the, Wirewood Symbiote, have the Wirewood but Symbiote most games. You can't just have a other one one. Crap happens every now and yep. then, so at least you get to do it twice. But yeah, I mean, having Ponder and Brainstorm is probably much better than Green Sun Zenith. <laughs> probably. Reliably so, yes. Yep. Uh, we got the one of life from the loam that's become pretty common in these kind of decks. And then uh, Witherbloom Command, which uh, I think you and I both just think is just a very well-designed card. It's a cool card. Yep. It's every time I've had a cast against me, I'm always just like, that is absolutely just good enough. Yeah. It's it's just like it's like if Lightning Bolt did two and a half damage. Uh-huh. <laughs> like it's just like to, that is like Lightning could, Bolt is probably too good in the uh -huh. in a vacuum. Witherbloom Command is like perfect. Yep. I don't. I don't look at a Witherbloom command very often and go, "That card swung the game." But I, every time I have a cast against me, I'm like, "Yeah, that did enough." Yep. So, in case you haven't seen Witherbloom command, it's a Strixhaven card. There's a lot of chatter about it when it first got spoiled because it's abrupt decay mana and it's it does some similar things. But black green as all you to choose two of four as most commands. Target player mills three, and then you return a land card from your graveyard to your hand. So obviously very useful in getting out of wasteland locks, for example. Oh yeah, absolutely. If you happen to have the two mana, but I mean, well, there's all kinds of stuff you can do there. That's I mean, one of those abilities where it's a good dump ability where you're, there's almost always something to do with that. Yep. It's kind of like K command where like you can always either make them discard a card or get or, a creature back or, or like, dumb them for two. Yeah. Like it has, it has these abilities where that are almost always online. You can destroy target uh, non-creature, non-land permanent with CMC two or less, which in legacy is most of the relevant ones. Yep. You can give target creature uh, minus three, minus one until end of turn. Again, no. hits most of the relevant ones. Most of the relevant ones. Most of the hate bears you want to destroy. Yep. It is a sorcery, so that's not really like the combat trick you want it to be. But that does remove most relevant uh, X1 creatures you care about, like Spirit of the Labyrinth or Thalia or Mom. Yep. Well, and it's or Ragavan. pretty or narrow, but you can use it to force through bad blocks. So you can like punch something through by shrinking a dude. You could. Stuff like that. Like... Just weird. Yep. That's what makes these cards so interesting is like there's a million scenarios where you can draw up where it's just like that would be perfect for yep. this. And then the last ability target opponent loses two life and you gain two life. So we have a couple of those just like this is always good enough. This is always a third of a card. 
the idea of like milling your opponent a couple and getting or yourself and getting a land back that's always like a third of a card at least in terms of like you know i'm spending a card on this like yep. that's worth that's worth a third of a card and then the idea of usually one of those two is going to destroy a permanent you're going to nuke their graph digger's cage or their thalia and there you know there's a card and then you get another third a card of value yep really yeah cool card getting a land back is kind of deceptively good when you combine it with fetches so i mean it's just like i've got brain brainstorm in my hand yes i can get a land back that get a fetch well that turns my brainstorm on what that is literally what makes expressive iteration good in the first six turns of a game what does everyone want to hit on their expressive iteration yep. they want to draw a card and get a and land for land. free yep this doesn't draw you the card this hopefully removes one of their things, but this can produce a card's worth of value and then get you a land yep. for free. Absolutely. So it's a really cool card. It's just in, it's not blue red. It's not <laughs> blue red. It's, I mean, it, it was power crept out the minute it was printed. Like this is, this is, I think, relegated in the current legacy meta to a one to two of max, but it's a cool thing to have access to. Well, and this is the kind of card we always talk about wanting for legacy where a card is, it's designed to be playable and standard and it's just good enough for legacy. Yep. Like we don't want legacy standard and modern to all look the same. Yep. We want every now and then, you know, once or twice a year to get a cool card like Witherbloom Command that doesn't take over the format. It actually kind of like maybe breathes breathes life into a uh, an old older deck or like just you know, helps one deck with one matchup yep. that makes it a little bit more interesting, something like yeah. that. I like cards like this that create a cost to running hyper cheap cards. Yeah. And so something like this, it's kind of funny. In standard, that's a huge limitation. The whole oh, yeah, like that's... CMC2, that's almost nothing. Nothing yep. worth killing. But in legacy, that's most of the cheap crap running around. Absolutely. Like the like if we had more of these types of cards, preferably off blue, it gives the decks that are trying to abuse these hyper efficient, hyper cheap cards in magic something to fear. Where maybe, you know, if you're running Delver, Ragavan, DRC, I'm sitting over here on a stack of cards that just kind of one and a half the whole game. Yep. I get one and a half You get every to be time. efficient, I get to get card advantage. Yeah. And we'll see who wins that fight. Yeah. You're going to go ahead and play your DRC, I'm going to kill it and get a little bit more. Yep. And then you're going to play your Ragavan, I'm going to kill it and get a little bit more. Or you're going to play your Brainstorm, I'm going to in some way stop it and get a little bit more. And you know, my stuff's all going to cost more than yours, but I'm also going to be constantly going up on value. It wasn't so much the value train, but that's kind of how Magic you're going to sound really old here. That's how it used to be played. Like you would play the game and just over the course of the game, you just kind of generate just a little bit more of an advantage as opposed to dropping one or two cards that just took over the game. Yeah. So it was just like, I'm going to make some smart mana plays. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to get a little bit of a advantage. Like I took some damage from the creatures, but I got wrath of God. So I, you know, now I'm up two cards and like, you're going to squeak by with this, this advantage. And just hopefully it takes over, like that's how you win yeah. the game, right? The problem a lot of people like me have is when you're playing cards like Uro and Murktide Regent and Ragavan, they often either, either prevent a whole game from happening or negate what has already happened. Yeah. So like we're having this cool, awesome back and forth and then you top deck top deck a Murktide, pay two mana, and now the game's over in two turns. I have an 8-8. Correct. Like that's fundamentally yeah. that's it didn't matter that you accrued a little more advantage to me in the first two turns or the first three turns like you're up a card and a half by the by, by turn four but you're out of removal and i have an 8-8 flyer yep so gg good luck yeah so um moving on from witherbroom command yeah we're gonna do 20 minutes on a strict pernicious card. deed yeah just, another really cool card yeah, just a great card uh, just vintage all-star yeah 
and EDH All Star. I love yeah. that card in EDH. Well, um, in case you haven't seen it, if you're um, if you're mostly a legacy player, that yeah, you this is from Apocalypse. I think this card's uh, old. One black green uh, for an enchantment. Pay X and sacrifice it, and then you destroy each artifact creature enchantment uh, with converted mana cost X or less. So it's a good. It's a very good board white that doesn't hit uh, Planeswalkers. It allows you to play a higher top end and then just kill everything underneath it. Mm-hmm. So Also makes your Planeswalkers a lot better, too. Sure does. Just commit to the board and kill all their creatures. Exactly. And, yeah, it's just it's just a really interesting card. We've got green-white depths with a splash of red. That's Naya Depths, sir. Yeah, I, I don't think, in my opinion, two red elemental blasts doesn't make <laughs> the deck Naya. <laughs> in the side, even. But I would like to point out, there's a Tega in it. Just saying. Yeah, I, I saw that. I went ahead and looked. There was a... In this nihilist, they are running one Taiga. Yep. So uh, we've seen this deck a bunch. This particular list doesn't seem to have any super spice. This is Just like your standard sure. nihilist, like yep. and the or not nihilist, but uh, Selesnia. This yeah. green white depths really became like the depths package when Yavamaya came out. Obviously, it was always running black for Urborg because Urborg turning on your depths and giving you access to more mana was just the best thing to be doing. And then once Yavamaya came out, unquestionably. It turned into a Elvish Reclaimer and Knight of the Reliquary That's deck. what I was going to say is the Naya, uh, Yavamea, I don't think would have been enough. Having the com- getting Elvish Reclaimer, which yes. makes you kind of want to be in green anyways. It gives you a reason to be in green. Yep. And then getting that Yavamea to just seal the deal. Yeah. Where it's just like, hey, now none of my lands suck. They're good on their own. Now they just win the game in combination with each other. And yep. I can get them far more consistent. Yep. So. Other than that, looks re- looks relatively stuck to the untrained eye of me. Yeah, well, and it's just, we don't, we haven't really talked about it, but just running 12 ways to tutor out that combo is brutal. Reclaimer, Knight of the Reliquary, crop rotation, and then if you want to go even further, Green Sun Zenith to get one of those three. Yep, and half of those are at instant speed. Yeah. And that's, that's you know, it, Depths took a real hit when Prismatic Ending came out, because it's just the cleanest answer to yep. a 2020 Except half this crap happens at instant speed now. And right. it's, you know, it's depths, end of your turn, make a yeah. 2020 swing. Depths, like way less often, makes a 2020 and passes. You see that a lot more. You used to see that a decent bit because it used to be your opponent had access to maybe four plows and that was it. Now most decks have access to essentially seven or eight plows and you just almost never see it. Obviously, they didn't want to do it at sorcery speed, but now they like, it almost never happens. Right. Rounding out the top eight, we've got eight cast. The only other deck that really competes for my heart with uh, Madness. Yep. Madness, just, we just don't get to talk about it very much because probably, realistically, it's probably just not as good as 8-cast. Still trying to do that same, mm-hmm. similar game, different way to accomplish it. I think it. it's way more explosive, but it's also way more fragile, and you have way less ways to draw a bunch of cards. Correct. And yeah. that's and Like, Madness can straight up murder you on turn two. Yep. 8-cast is going to take probably another turn or two, but it's going to do it far more often as it's just got better cards in yep. it. It also does, doesn't just fold to combo. Correct. It's like a, madness, you got force of wills and whatnot. Madness has literally nothing other than maybe a surgical to combo. Whereas we at least have a couple counter spells. Well, you're what you're relying on with madness. If I'm uh, remembering correctly is discard. Like that's what black does. You've got some red. Ele- you're going to have uh, oh, wow. It doesn't even have discard in it. Mike. No, it so you got mind break trap, ley line of the void, ancient grudge, surgical and firestorm. Like, the That's deck, not a great nope. anti-combo sideboard. That deck is uh, the it's the premier aggro deck right now, where it's in the red zone as soon as it can be, as often as it can. Yep, just trying to it doesn't control. It doesn't it doesn't remove much. It doesn't stop you. It just tries to do the thing faster and harder than you. Love to see. Like I was super excited about this top eight. I'm not thrilled with the 
heavy prevalence of control. I feel like we're trading one devil for another at that point. If we're just, if we're talking about blue, red Delver, um, certainly we ideally we'd be looking for some level of balance, not bouncing back and forth between one heavy handed meta and the other, but, and just like we said, there are still five Delver decks in this top 32. So we do want to keep that in mind. Uh, but yeah, it looked like everybody had a decent time. Did you want to look at the eight cast list or just say its name? I don't think there's there's not a ton to talk about, to be perfectly honest. It's the same eight cast list that we have been doing. Um, I looked through it while we were... Well, the listener to... doesn't know that. They're not looking at the list yeah. with us. They might be. That'd be kind of weird. It'd be kind of weird if you tuned into a podcast that just reads the top eights and analyzes them while you're reading and analyzing them. Eh, I don't... There's probably people that do. They're like, okay. In Here fairness, comes. I did have uh, someone reach out and ask me to start posting the links to the uh, MTG Goldfish top eight. So I will see start what doing we're that. looking at. Uh, but yeah, I mean, like like we said, there's just it's relatively standard. Yeah, it's, yeah, we've talked about it a bunch because the reason I kind of glossed over it is because I've been so interested in it. We've talked about eight cast quite a bit, true. so it's just like this one doesn't seem like it has anything particularly spicy. I I do like the fact that Nettle Sist is seeing a decent amount of play both in Legacy and in Modern. I, I thought it was kind of interesting. This deck does uh, bounce into white for some sideboard cards. Usually, that's true. Usually, your eight cast lists are mono blue. Because, and in fairness, this deck is mono blue in the main board. Yeah. In the sideboard, we bounced into white for I mean, literally like four cards. Yeah. Sworn Cannon is Prismatic Ending and Dispatch. I don't know if that's worth weakening your mana base for. All of those things seem doable in blue, except Aether Sworn Cannonist. And if this deck folds that hard to combo, which only running four Force of Will, which is a crazy thing to say anyway, because literally three years ago. It does have three negations in Force of negation. Gotcha. So that so okay. so yeah. So we have okay. So the Aether Swarm Cannonist and the three Force negations are there for your combo matchups. But it's like we talked about though is this this whole sideboard is just dedicated to I don't want to lose on turn two because yep. I'm going to try to kill you on turn three. Yep. Like as uh, to finish my thought though, could you imagine Matt if three and a half years ago I sat on your couch and said, God, this deck's only running four Force of Wills. I know. You'd be like, What the fuck would it run, Jake? Like, yeah. As a non-blue player, I'd be like, Oh. Did somebody from the future come back and make another one? <laughs> <laughs> and it's like looking back on those days when we just ran four Force of Wills and that's what you had access to. Right. And now it's like <laughs> No, you got to, you've got up to eight. Up to eight. And they're not again, it's not one for one. That's just but, so funny to me to 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 look back on what I you know, a, a generic legacy player would say if you just it only has four force of wills. It's like as opposed to what? Right. You just wait. We got something in store for you. Yeah, surprise. So yeah. Yeah, so how's our meta game looking? So we've got uh five blue red Delver in the top thirty two, fifteen point six percent. Three Jeskai control, and then three lands, and then a bunch of other stuff. There's there's quite like if you go through all the different variations, there's quite a bit of control mm -hmm. uh, in not only this one but the the uh, challenge that happened over the weekend as well. That being said, we do have you know Maverick, Painter, Madness, Elves, Reanimator, Eight Cast, Depths. The, Death and taxes. The raw distribution of deck name looks decent. You know, you kind of expect Delver to be on top in some capacity, and I don't think anyone on here is complaining that Delver is on top. It's it's how much on top it is. Fifteen percent. I'm not over here. I'm not going to scream. The sky is falling. It Delver's at fifteen percent. Um, doing some quick math though. Six, twelve, eighteen, a uh, thirty, thirty-ish percent looks like control. If you if you add all the control variations up between. Jeskai Control, Death and Taxes, which I consider a control deck, Four Color Control, Bant Control. We're looking at like 26 to 30% of control. Yep. And, and that's a lot. Well, like typically speaking, when you think about archetypes, you think about 
aggro combo and control, right? Yes. Now there is realistically tempo. I don't want to say it only exists in Legacy. It's one but of the it's, few places. It's pretty uncommon in most other yep. formats. But like tempo is kind of the fourth leg to that, and it's almost exclusively Delver decks, right? The problem is when you've dumped aggro, those players had to go somewhere, and that's the thing. There's there's if you look down here, other than the Madness deck, which is only aggro in the strictest sense yep. like fundamentally it's a combo deck because it's not like it's paying for stuff same thing with eight cast these are yes they're winning through the red zone but kind of like elves where they're going they're not tapping out turn one two three four trying yeah. to hit a curve it's not like a, not like a human's deck right like, they're trying to dump or maverick their whole hand like legit maverick is kind of a like that's it's it's paying three mana for another reliquary or it's casting it's elvish reclaimers and making them three fours and attacking like those are legit those are about as decks. close like, to aggro as we get. Fair aggro decks. Yeah. But, and that's where, that's the thing is, I mean, you've cut out one of the legs. Like, one of the archetypes is just gone from Legacy, and those players have to go somewhere. And yeah. they kind of, it seems like they kind of waffle back and forth because, like, you're going to have a lot of aggro players who go, well, I mean, Delver isn't technically aggro, but it's just, it's in a very yeah. aggressive deck. It's in the red zone. Right. Um, And it doesn't play like a combo deck. As opposed to something like Madness or Eight Caster Elves. Yep. And then you've got some people who are just like, well, if I can't beat them, I'm going to join them and they're going to play control. And you just end up with these really lopsided meta games where it's just like, yeah, 30% of the meta is a blue control deck or yep. not necessarily a blue control deck, but a control deck. And the other 60 or probably 50% is combo. Well, probably less than that, but a less lot. than it's, that. But yeah. Yeah. It's the, the meta is definitely very skewed, but. To me, it's it's legacy. Like that's legacy's always has kind of been all on one side of the field while it's there. So when I see something like this, and you know, if if uh, Will is listening, we can go to combat. Ha <laughs> uh, You know, this is like this is great news to me. I see this meta, and you know, of course, I'm not in love with the meta. It's not perfect. Yeah, I could in a computer sculpt a better meta with a number, but like I think this looks great. Like if we've been sitting here complaining for weeks about uh, months. About like Blue Red Delver just owns this meta and it's not fun to play against to me. I don't want to keep doing this. I don't like it. I think Ragavan is just everywhere and it's not enjoyable. Now, in fairness, uh, there are still a decent number of Ragavans, but like in this top eight, there's not even that many Ragavans. There's not there's not any Delver. Yep. Like that's true. I look at this and I go, like, this meta looks awesome. This is the churn that we're seeing in modern. And if this could keep churning like this in four or five weeks where you look at it and go, wow, there's almost no control lists. It's all this. It's all aggro lists. And then in a couple weeks, well, it's, it's all different. The where I would disagree with you is I don't see it as a churn. It's more of a coin flipping upside. We've got heads or tails. Well, and because it's the first time it's changed. <laughs> no, but what else is going to take that spot? I don't know. No, no. Like what could not? I'm not asking you to make a prediction, but like the churn happens because like in modern, there's realistically 10 decks that are just neck and neck with each other. Maybe, oh yeah. Maybe more. You know, there's like three in legacy. Fundamentally there's like three. Is it? There's blue red Delver. There's some control list. I mean, you may, may, we may argue about which one's which, and then there's whatever combo deck is the new hotness or the, the flavor of the month. Like there's like, when I look at this, I look at the most played cards and while the top eight looks different, the most played cards looks identical to the past almost year now. Yeah. But even in modern, like you look at, if you're looking at most played cards in modern, those are, those don't change a ton. Like the backbone of these decks is not changing very they much. Don't change, they may not change a ton, but the percentages aren't nearly 
as lopsided as No, they they're are. not. They're not. So you go like that's, force that, of wills and sixty percent of decks. Like see, that is that is a that is an example of them having you know, a ten deck wide metagame. But if you wanted to go through like I mean what you do in legacy here is you're just lumping a bunch of these decks. They're all combo decks. And that's true. Like I can lump of those ten decks in modern, if we if we just make up there's there's ten. There's probably more than that, but there's ten. I mean, I could probably lump four of those together into a control style deck. And I could probably lump two of them together into a into a into a Rakdos-ish rock deck. And I could probably lump three of them together into a blink deck of some kind. Like Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that this stuff doesn't exist. It's just in legacy, it's dialed to eleven. Yes, it is. There is as far I mean, I may be full of crap here. I'm gonna check before. I pull I I pulled the legacy metagame just for funsies because so I was curious. So force of will, swords to plowshares, brainstorm ponder prismatic ending so the top five cards in legacy have a bigger share than any card in modern like and it's by a pretty sizable margin Fair, yeah force of will bounces around between 55 and 60 percent of two-thirds of the decks yeah. in legacy play the same because again as we've discussed with force of wills also comes probably force of negation ponder and brainstorm yeah at the very least ponder brainstorm <laughs> force negations very it, that that's They're the, the most side. maybe M- but yeah, but yeah, like you know if, I mean? if you're like, running Force of Will, I I can't imagine you're not running Ponder Brainstorm. So uh, you're right. That's, so it's just it's not so much that the it can't churn, but like there's just not as many spokes. No, that's definitely true. And it's we have in in essence we have churned from one blue soup deck to a different blue right. soup deck. We've got instead of blue tempo, we've got blue control. Yep. And but with with legacy the way it is, like I don't I I think this is as like this is something I'm happy to see because it's good as it's gonna get this. Now, if we, I'm not, this is an improvement. I'm not absolutely. trying to talk. I'm not trying to say that it's not. No, Matt, you're the bad guy here. Well, the, I, everyone sent I all your hate absolutely, <laughs> I will absolutely play the role of the bad guy. No, it's the, fine. I, the way I look at it, though, is like, I don't see how it's fundamentally different. Like, I, I if you like, queued up for a tournament, you're still, again, you still got 15% of, the, of its Delver or some Delver variant, probably more. You've still got, 15 to 20 percent of it's the same blue stuff yeah like that's just not terribly interesting because there's a whole lot of stuff you can't do in legacy as well and all that stuff like this metagame comes at a cost of a potentially better metagame that's true and like, you can't do that forever you can't do that to inf- infinity no, like, no but it's very clear that there are egregious design mistakes yes that so should go it, it depends on what point you want to make this argument from where are we looking at where legacy could be if we had you know, the overarching overhaul of the format that we would love to see where I mean, and I, I think more people are starting to come to understand uh, or this point of view where we could remove like 15 cards from legacy and maybe really change how it is. And I mean, from every single archetype, things like Grizzle Brand, you got to go. Things like Force Negation should probably go. Things like Prismatic Ending should maybe go like every archetype could lose a lot of cards. Brainstorm, Ponder, Preordain, pick one of them. The other two go in that world. Like, yeah, like we could chase down some really dope metagames. That's the world I'm ar- arguing for, though. <laughs> See, like, I, and that's, I'm looking at this metagame and I'm being like, in the world we're in, we basically have we basically have rock, paper, scissors. That's what you get in Legacy. You get combo, you get tempo, which is kind of our aggro. I want rock, paper, scissors, lizard, lizard Spock. Spock. <laughs> of course you would. <laughs> Nothing's good enough. But if we, in this world where we have rock, paper, scissors, like I like the idea of a metagame that's shifting. We're like this week going in, you know, I want, I don't know. Are we going to be seeing a bunch of reanimator and doomsday and elves? I know elves is kind of elves is kind of combo. kind of not, but 
to, I'm gonna I'm gonna classify it as to me it's kind of a combo no, deck. That's when, fine. I, it's, when I sit against it, I'm I'm as far in my as mind the archetype goes, it's a combo. preparing for a combo deck. And or is it you know the next week or like am I sitting down to be like is Delver coming in to punish those combo decks and then now is Control coming in to punish the Delver decks and force them to play slow and like that's the kind of turn I like to see in Legacy where it's kind of bouncing back and forth. You see, fairness ideally not thirty or forty percent in the top eight or top thirty two be Control, but like we've we've come off this drought of four months of being like hey look it's delver delver not delver not delver delver not delver delver and now we've come two weeks in and we're like oh wow there's no delvers in the top eights top 32s but not top eights i agree um i like i said i just don't want to replace one dominant deck for the other and what we can see here at least not all of them but one of the biggest offenders and we even talked about this is when they banned oko and uh dread horde and arc or astrolabe uro should have gone to probably like yeah. I 100% think that card should go like I just I think Uro just fights against what a in my mind a control deck should be in terms of finishing the game and a 6-6 six, six recurrable threat that gains life and draws cards the problem is it's just there's no risk to playing it uh-uh. I, I mean it could get surgical yeah. <laughs> but like to me whenever I mean you know me pretty well Jake whenever I'm talking about stuff like I don't want to half-ass this like we have an opportunity here. Like clearly, wizards think know something's up. Clearly, they're—I mean—or or they're completely oblivious. At which point, we should be screaming, you know, yeah. our lungs out. Anyways, I don't know why we would try to get a base hit here and not swing for the fences. Like legacy could has a huge amount of room for improvement, and I don't know why we wouldn't just try to get that home run as opposed to going. Well, I mean, if we just kill Ragavan, then we'll be back to waiting till the next set yeah. produces another ragavan and then we're in the same boat you know what i mean because yeah ideally i would like to see the changes be able to may be made in a step-by-step process over their long period of time and work our way there the problem is they just keep printing new problems that need banned right. like i'd love to live in a world where we could ban maybe ragavan and then come back in three months and ban one more card and then come back in three months and you know ban one or two cards a quarter for the next like year and a half. Yeah, two that's years. just not a realistic proposition. If they keep printing these supplemental style Modern Horizon sets, it's not. Well, yeah, like, I mean, standards dialed they, in. They they've don't already pr- asked when we want, how often we want to see Modern Horizon sets. I, <laughs> like, I don't, has Modern Horizons 3 been spoiled? Like, has it been confirmed? I don't know for sure, but I mean, you got to think it's going to be here within the next two years, right? Probably. And that's just the one. There's probably what, five to 10 more sets that are official, like they're happening. But like, I, Legacy has like structural problems to it and people want to change. They want to repaint the house and I'm going, the foundation is in trouble. It's yeah. not broken, but the foundation is starting to crack under the weight of all these extra coats of paint. Yeah. <laughs> if I can stretch that metaphor <laughs> yeah. to it's, you know, to the nth degree, but. like we've got so many, so many problems and like, I don't want to change the light bulb. Yeah. I want to, the, uh, you're, you came really close to the perfect homeowners analogy where you can only put so many roofs on before you have to tear all the shingles off. Right. Like you can only put on five or six roofs before the shingles got to go. And we're like, we're coming up on like roof number eight, roof right. number and, nine. And the other thing, this is something that a lot of people probably wouldn't agree with. And I know that there's more to this conversation, but like, look at the list of banned cards and it's a whole lot of non blue cards that keep getting banned so that we can keep four or five blue cards. And everybody knows what those cards are. And I'm not saying Force of Will should go, but Force of Will is on that list. Ponder, Brainstorm, Preordain. Like, those are the cards that, like, Force of Will is not causing problems. 
but ponder, preordain, and brainstorm are for sure. Like we, they've already said, brainstorm's not going anywhere. But like fundamentally, in you, fairness, though, how many times have they said one thing and done another? That's true. <laughs> and to be fair, that was a couple years ago. So yeah. like, it's not like it hasn't been long enough for wizards to go back on that promise. It seems like there's only one they won't go back on. Like until you fix that problem. <laughs> true it's the reserve list I know, I know. it's the one that causes the most damage yep. and they refuse to break <laughs> they won't even talk about it so if all we're gonna do is shout into the ether i don't know why we're not shouting into the ether for the thing we actually want rather than the thing that we can kind of maybe hope that they'll do for us i think there is something to be said though for being somewhat realistic and having some realistic expectations and I so do. like the idea of calling for the mass overhaul of legacy while I, in my opinion is somewhat ideal and I'm not saying that anyone should come in and just take a sledgehammer to legacy and see what pieces fall out. But I, I would love to just see if we, we ban ponder and preordain just what would happen. Yeah. You don't need to do anything else. But just like the, the, the realistic person should sit here and be like, you know what, what small changes can we make to start working our way towards the thing? Because I don't think Watsy is that interested in making those big changes. And you know, it doesn't matter how much I yell at, doesn't matter how much I yell at a snake to fly, he's never gonna fly. But if I I can work him towards something, you know, I get him to start climbing trees and that, you know, like snakes, snakes fly in the jungle, but nobody yelled at a snake well, to fly until it grew wings. And don't get me wrong, I agree with you there. I suspect what's going to happen is sometime within the three to the next three to six months, Wizards is gonna ban one of the modern Horizon Two cards, maybe two of them. Realistically, that's what's gonna happen. And this meta isn't going to change. Like Delver will be not as good. The Delver, Delver, the Delver shell will pick the next two most efficient threats and that, keep chugging. That and was probably it may, already running. Correct. It may splash green. It may not. It may splash another color. It may not. But fundamentally, that shell, unless you attack that shell, and I don't think Daze is the card to attack, and we could get into that, but that's another half an hour conversation. Until you start attacking these blue soup shells, you don't change anything. You're just swapping out threats for whatever the next threat is the, and the, the new better threat and and that's the problem so like if we're gonna sit here and art go okay let's just miracle this up ragavan murktide drc they're banned tomorrow right within the next year they're going to print something that's probably close yeah the next like delver is going to get another threat yeah. within the next year or two and then we're right back in here and then it's another year or two before that threat yeah. gets banned the the best thing they could do is under the, under the assumption they're going to keep printing these hyper-efficient, overpowered threats is they would at least bounce them out of blue and into, like, black and white. But that's that's the problem, though. Because, like, I would love to see... I would love to see Delver get its mana base stretched super thin. That could be a way to, like, keep printing these hyper-powerful cards but still power Delver down, where Delver's gonna have to run four colors, and now it's... Wasteland is a liability in its own deck, and especially against it, it's a powerhouse. I agree with you that that is a step in the right direction. I don't think it goes far enough. Because we've seen that these decks are capable of just being super greedy. And yeah, yeah, they may. That and again, the problem with that is the cantrips. You, when you have the ability to look at three or four cards every turn consistently, it doesn't really matter how many colors your deck is. Yeah, I mean, how often? I mean, Grixis used to be the deck. Yeah, the number of times I've kept a one land hand, it's like ah, I'll be fine. Right. It, okay. it, you know, and this isn't the whole history of Legacy, but it's like oh, it's Rug Delver now. It's oh, it's Grixis Delver now. It's like oh, now it's Blue Red Delver and oh, it's Jeskai and it's just like. This, I don't understand why people keep looking at the, oh, it's Deathrite Shaman's the problem, now it's Ragavan's the problem, and it's Ren and Six is the problem, and all those cards in, in their own right are very powerful, but we are not looking at fundamentally what's causing these problems. Yeah, we keep we keep uh, 
treating keep putting a new coat of paint on. Yeah. Keep treating the new problem and not what keeps causing the same problem. Right. I mean, look at look up a Grixis Delver list and look up Blue Red Delver. Like they're the same deck. There's just different threats swapped out. Yeah. <laughs> it's a bunch of cantrips. So I mean a little bit of burn, like and a couple threats. Like I mean, I used to play Grixis Delver. Yeah. And all I did when they banned Deathrite Shaman was build Blue Red Delver. <laughs> So, anywho, let's go to modern. We've been on legacy yeah. forever. All the most played cards are the same as last week. We'll do we'll do modern relatively quickly. We spent we basically used up all of our after after meta time talking about the uh, the current meta of legacy and how you know I I think it's it okay. Is an, it's an improvement. Matt thinks it's not okay. I don't again. Matt is just shooting higher than I am. You are holding wizards to a higher standard. Well, the <laughs> trick is you are really into modern. Legacy's all I've got. Yeah, I guess that's true. <laughs> like Legacy got, needs to gotta, be real good. Got to diversify that portfolio, Matt, right. so that when one of your things falls off a cliff, you're like, hey, hey, I got this. I've been leaning into Affinity, and it seems to be doing okay. Did you get those cards in for the... Uh, I have not got those yet. I pick them up, well, man. I, like, I don't even know if that's the list I want to run. because it's It costs like $3 to run it, though. I know, but the the problem is the Affinity, it looks like the shell of Affinity is almost there. And people keep tweaking like how they're running. Like I, we yeah. won't go over, but there was a blue white affinity list that looked really cool. So like, I want to, I want to get like a list nailed down and then order you. the cards. Well, I want, I want to start going to, I want to start going to F and M again. And now that the holidays are over, I would like to start going again. Going alone sucks. That's what smartphones are for. <laughs> <laughs> What's up happening? Live tweet your chat, Jake. It'll make you feel like I'm right there. <laughs> well, you never respond to my tweets. You have a Twitter. Cancer Cartel Twitter. <laughs> you don't check our we Twitter. Have a Twitter? <laughs> so hopping over I mean, to modern. We, I know we have one. I just don't follow it. <laughs> I know. We had a modern super qualifier as well. Uh, I believe it fired on Sunday, which is kind of cool that Legacy, or I guess Legacy did fire on Saturday. It just takes a super qualifier to do it. So Fair the enough. modern super qualifier, first place was Fur MTG with a Grixis Shadow list. So we kind of bragged last week about how Grixis Shadow has kind of been moved out. And while I think it has been moved out in the challenges, it is obviously still an incredibly powerful deck. Like, oh, just so. Just because the deck doesn't dominate the meta does not mean it's not incredibly powerful. This is a Luris uh, Grixis Death Shadow list that, just like usual, looks like a carbon copy of all the others. I do not see No, see, anything. you're wrong because the one in second place is running... One lightning bolt and a fatal push, and this one's running two lightning bolts. Yeah, so these lists are drastically different. As Matt said, second place was also Grixis Death Shadow, <laughs> and the lists are almost identical. A minor swap out of a removal spell here or there. Yeah, but for MTG, brought it home with a Grixis Shadow list, and that's pretty yes. cool. Congratulations, well that's done. awesome. Now, I love Death Shadow. On to some really cool, fun decks. In third place was a really neat deck that I haven't seen in modern in an incredibly long time. Anything like it. It's a crab. It's listed as crab vine, so it's leveraging hedron crab and citrus supplier to get out things like prized amalgam, uh, prized amalgam, amalgam, and venge vine. Now it's obviously running like narcomebas and rotting rats to really dig into its graveyard and get the most out of it. Uh, a really cool like <laughs> throne of Eldraine card that I played a ton of with Uro is Merfolk Secret Keeper. One blue for a zero four, but it has adventure. As a one blue sorcery, target player mills four. So just an incredibly efficient way to, one, throw a bunch of your stuff in the graveyard, and then later, throw out a blocker to stand in the way. It doesn't suffer a lot of the same... Like, if you look at Glimpse of Glimpse the Unthinkable, right? 
there's a whole lot of card advantage in there. Mm -hmm. You're paying two mana. Now, again, the deck is designed to mill, so, like, your card advantage comes from having the cards in your graveyard. Yeah. But the Merfolk Secret Keeper doesn't run into that same problem where you've just milled yourself a few cards, and if you whiff, you've just spent a card and done yep. nothing. It's like, oh, cool. Well, now I just cast my 0-4, and we're off yeah. to the races. You only paid half a card to mill yourself for, because you still have the Merfolk Secret Keeper to be cast later. Which a 0-4 is not an irrelevant body nope. in modern. It stands in front of most of the things on the ground right now. Yep. And is bolt uh, bolt proof. Yeah, it's if we're talking, I don't consider and if they're spending two bolts to do it. Then yeah, you're or way ahead. if it blocks a ragavan and then eats a bolt, like yep. that's you know that's fine. Some interesting things in it, like obviously you have four creeping chill. Something we talked about where most modern decks are starting at between fifteen. Like I, you're probably starting at between fourteen and sixteen life just as a modern deck because you're gonna have a few fetches and you're probably gonna shock once or twice. Yep, absolutely. So running in four creeping chill, you know, you're probably gonna hit two of them reliably. So if they were starting at let's say fifteen, now they're sitting at like nine. Which is a very That's scary. The very realistic goal with Vengevines and yeah, Prowls, prized with, amalgams. With Vengevines and prize amalgams and you know Narcamoebas, like the a, a zero mana one one. Like yeah. The deck is just really cool. Since we've started the podcast, now we don't go through every uh, 32 decks of every challenge but since we started the podcast i haven't seen anything like this in the top eight so this was really cool to see this was like a lot of fun I, one of my favorite decks to play in legacy just like for fun factor is hogak and that was before endurance was a thing but like hogak's just fun just dumping stuff in your graveyard as fast as you can and then making things happen out of it is really cool um, so this is just a really cool list to me i thought it was really yeah, neat i i love to see these kinds of lists fourth place was a demir control list and uh, 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 against what uh, my first instinct was, this is not like a Grixis list with no red. This is literally Demir Control. We still have a Lurus list, two Torok, and three Snapcasters are our creatures. And then we have 30 spells. We have four Counterspell, four Drown, and four Charm. We literally have 12 hard Counterspells. If you want to play Draw Go, yeah. this is about as close as you're ever going to get. A lot of games are going to be won with that Hall of the Storm Giants and then just a huge Torok. Two engineered explosives, like four fatal push, two blood chiefs thirst, two inquisition, two thoughtsies. Like, yeah, this is, and we've seen this list before. This isn't anything like this isn't like unheard of. This demir control, but this is this is draw go control. One of the reasons we always try to shout out decks that like aren't necessarily like t tier one as far as like how many people are playing them. Like this is a deck that's we hardly ever see. And it just top eight at a super qualifier. Yes. Like, this is what I mean when modern is, like, wide open relative to, like, legacy. I mean, legacy had madness come in and it's super qualifier. It did. But I'm not, I will agree with you that modern does this way more frequently. It does it all, all the time. Where we hit the top eight or the top 16 and we're like, holy cow, look at this monstrosity of a deck. Yeah, there's, I mean, fundamentally, I think the difference is there's just a lot more room to still brew. People are still yeah. brewing in modern. And That's because you're missing out on those. You, I mean, we would talk about the 1%. Modern misses out on the like top 1% or 2% of Legacy, and that's all it takes to just flatten out the metagame, and you yep. can do a lot more fun stuff. When you don't, when you aren't forced into Ponder Brainstorm. I was going to say, what are the cards fundamentally that it's missing? Once you're forced into Ponder Brainstorm, you might as well run Force of Will because you're already there. And then at that point, like now the world is your oyster, but you've already got the first... 12 to 16 12 cards. 12 to 16 cards of your deck. Probably two force negations, so 18 cards of your deck. You throw in 20 lands. You throw in 20, 21 lands. Now you're at 37, 38 cards of your deck. Pick your next favorite 15, 20 cards. And that is my problem with Legacy. It is. And that's true. <laughs> I'm just saying one of us is setting the realistic expectation of they are not going to nuke the format. And one of us is sitting here being like, I wish they'd nuke the format. Yep. <laughs> as long as they don't touch my deck. 
Well, I mean, yeah, I mean, clearly they're not going to do anything for elves, right? Right, guys? Yeah. There's or, no or egregious a, design mistakes in elves. Or Azorius <laughs> control. I'm running a, I'm running a well, Zorius. Realistically, you'd be fine. You just you could kick yeah. it old school with miracles. I'd I probably would. lose Allosaurus Shepherd. I, I mean, ideally, you might lose Allosaurus Shepherd. I would lose Ponder. I would get demoted down to some worse cantrips. And most of it probably, yeah, I'd probably still I'd probably still run the base miracle package. Right. This place. Mono green Tron. You Tron side. haters are just seething. Yeah, Tron Tron's been putting, I mean, Tron's been putting up regular top eights. And that's pretty awesome. And it has we haven't seen like three of them in the top eight like we used to once upon a time, but we've been seeing Tron once in a blue moon top eight. Again, I think we talked about it last week. I don't think you're gonna hear a whole lot of complaining when probably not. When Tron there's one in the top thirty two. This yeah. is not every third deck you're playing a Tron matchup. I don't know how anyone can look at a 32 and go, it has one of what? Well, fuck that format. Right. I'm not playing if Oops All Spells is a deck. Yeah. And put one <laughs> in the top 32. So or like, Blue Living End. <laughs> yep. As far as Tron decks go, it looks pretty standard. Uh, running through the list, I, I might be missing something, but you know, this looks like a pretty stock list. Sixth place, our Crashing Footfalls list. So this is your Cascade list with Crashing Footfalls as its finisher. As we've talked about again, this is one of those, like I say it every time, these decks are kind of locked into what they can run. Yep. There's only so many cards that, that cost three or more yep. or that, have, are, that are playable that are all. playable and have ways to cheat them out like Bone Crusher Giant or Brazen Borrower. Subtlety's putting in work. Yep. I guess subtlety still. Like this is running a little heavier on the Borrowers and Bone Crushers. I usually see like, you know, like two or three of each, maybe one or two. This is running three Crushers and one or four Borrowers. But other than that, like it's... You're you're pinned into you're pinned into those lists, so I don't talk about them very much because they just don't change. Seventh and eighth, we've got these four color blink lists running through them. This is like kind of what we were seeing there in the exception of this deck, where we've got like Omnath, Ice Fang, uh, Solitudes and Furies, four Ephemerates, and then lots of counter magic and control magic, like getting tons of value out of pitching these spells in and then flickering them. Yorion coming in at the end to just go bananas with value. And then Eternal Witness to find infinite loops with Ephemerate and get anything you need out of your graveyard. Being able to re-get stuff back is pretty dope. That yeah. was the seventh place list. Look, I, I haven't looked at the eighth place list. Is there anything about that crazy um, different? They've got, they're fairly different, but the game plan seems to be going after the same thing. Yeah. So like there's, there's like eight more creatures in the eighth place list. This so, is an, but what they're cutting is stuff like. Well, in this list, we have an Eladomri's Call and a Court of Calling. Yeah. So this is it's definitely much more of a toolboxy version. Whereas the original, the other one I said had like ten or twelve creatures, where it had like four Omnath, four Fury, or uh, two Fury, four. This has twenty-five creatures and a ton of one ofs. Deputy of Detention, Wall of Omens, Skyclave Apparition, uh, Obsidian Charmall. So yeah, this definitely is a different deck. Like this definitely is a lot more toolboxy. Whereas the other one is kind of more raw value-y. Similar game plans are going to play out a little bit differently. But, I mean, they're still going to be looking to blink stuff in yep. and out. This, this looks a lot more like like we were talking about Meat Pie and Legacy a month or so ago, where like this deck is going to play very differently every time you draw your first seven, whereas the other deck is going to be way more consistent, especially for an 80-card deck. I think the uh, how badly they want to get that value, they've got four Wall of Blossoms and a Wall of Omens. Yep. Like, that's... Well, I mean, Wall of Blossoms and Wall of Omen, if you're on the draw, is the perfect stone wall to a Ragavan. Yeah, like, if you're not going to have... If you're not going to have the turn one removal, just throwing a wall in front of it, like, cool Ragavan, dude. It's never and hitting. And it replaces it. Yeah, exactly. So even if you do attack and bolt, you're still down a card. Yep. And on top of that, when you run stuff like Ephemerate, then you can do all... Like, that just put... Putting that Ephemerate with those Wall of Blossoms together just creates so many bad 
positions uh-huh. for your opponent. Try to get rid of the wall, you ephemerate it, now you're drawing another card, then you're getting your ephemerate back next turn to get another card, and yeah. it's just pretty scary. Value town. Moving through, oh, we have the metagame summary. Um, I spent a little less time on Modern this week. One, because I don't want to beat the dead horse of, like, Modern's awesome, and, like, there's, like I love talking about these decks. Um, I feel personally attacked, Jake. <laughs> <laughs> well, we spent all our time talking about Legacy. But, yeah, like, I just, like... Modern's so awesome, and look how awesome. diverse it is. You should play it more. I'm sorry you I'm sorry you bought into slash already owned a kind of crappy deck that isn't good enough. I bought into a really good deck that's tons of fun to play. And I love playing Affinity it. Affinity will rise again. Give it I, two or three more years. I hope it does. <laughs> I hope Affinity gets a real banger of the next few sets and can can really do some stuff. I don't I mean, I like seeing things like Affinity. Like, give me a real reason to run my Stony Silences. Right <laughs> now I run them right now I run them for um the uh Urza Saga hate cards. That's it. Like I want to run get, make me make me run four of them. So the metagame summary, we've got six Death Shadow decks with right around 19% of the meta. Hammer Time at four decks with 12.5%. That's a little low. One of the lowest we've ever seen Hammer Time at. Hammer Time's kind of been the premier legacy deck, in ter- legacy deck, modern deck, in terms of like relative affordability, not necessarily simplicity to play, but straightforwardness. Yeah. Like it's, and, and it's that whole like it's, it's uh, in the red zone, it's made to attack. Like a lot of people really like playing Hammer Time because it's fun to play. It's all about bashing your opponent with a 10 10 Ornithopter or a, a 20 or 10 11 or a 20 20, whatever. Right. Then we've got Blink and Merc Tide Regent coming in at three. So some couple 10 percent. You know, Death Shadow is a little high this week at 19 percent, but nothing ridiculous. We quickly bumped down to a, a ton of one ofs. I mean, like 10 or there's 12 of them. 12 one ups compared one-ups. to Legacy's four. Yeah. So. And a lot of these one-ofs are uniquely different in comparison. Prowess, Titan, Infect, Belcher, Yawgmoth, Blue Living End. That's obviously very Cascady, but, you know, Oops, Enchantress, Band Control. Like, those are way, way left field one Yeah, I mean, you could take the one-ofs in this and make a turn and make a format. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but uh, most played cards, Expressive Iteration, Mishra's Bobble, Ragavan, DRC, and Unholy Heat. Pretty standard. These are all pretty standard. Uh, top creatures, Ragavan, DRC, Death Shadow, and three is a little higher than normal. Endurance and Esper Sentinel. I think that DR, I think Death Shadow coming in at third is really riding the wave of just Grixis Death Shadow being yep. the best deck for so long. Right before this, now it took a it took a week or two off there at the end, but for a while it was the king of the maybe hell. that was their plan. Everybody who's on Death Shadow is just like, hey guys, there's a tournament yeah. tournament coming up. We need to back off. So yep. everybody, it was thinks un- it's. I'm sure it was in the Discord. It was yep. <laughs> just everyone not play this week, and then we're going to show up in force. Yeah, huh? Everyone's going. Everyone's going to be prepared to play or not play around Death Shadow. Yep, they're going to be like, "Oh man, Blink's tank it over again, uh-huh. guys! Watch out for Hammer Time, Death Shadow, Death Shadow." Top spells: Special Iteration, Mistress Bobble, Unholy Heat, Thought Seize, and Lightning Bolt. Well, Matt, like I said, we basically spent most of our like third topic, extra topic time on Legacy this week. So with it being a quiet week in Magic, that was kind of our extra topic. Yep. There was one thing you kind of wanted to go over quickly. I had posted it to our Facebook group and, you know, it was it's one of those things that I posted as this is definitely an important thing happening, but I don't really utilize these companies uh, so it doesn't mean much to me, but you had some stuff you want to say about it. So what are, what are we talking about? So it looks like Microsoft is trying to buy or is about to buy. The best of my knowledge, it's confirmed. Well, I saw some that were confirmed and some that said they were in the process of it or seeking approval. Because like there's there's all sorts mm. of legal ho- hoops to jump through and whatnot. So whatever the exact case may be, it looks like Microsoft is trying to buy Activision 
Activision Blizzard. That's not magic news per se, but it is gaming it's, news, and there's probably a pretty decent-sized Venn, yeah, Venn diagram between people who play magic and people who play video games. When I put it under <laughs> our Facebook, I was like, this isn't magic, but it's definitely nerdy. Right. So I don't really have a ton to say about that in and of itself. I don't really care. Um, I don't see how the funny thing is I don't see how Microsoft could make Blizzard any worse at this point. <laughs> like their names just totally been destroyed over the past several years. Like on top of all the, let's just say poor behavior in their yeah. corporate structure and like in the offices and it, everything, we even don't need to the, beat that dog, their dead horse, but yep. like they're doing all kinds of inappropriate stuff there. But beyond that for the past, like, Anywhere between five or ten years, Blizzard's name just doesn't mean yep. what it used to mean. Like, it used to be like, oh my god, a Blizzard game is coming out. I have to buy this because it's probably going to be one of the top hundred games ever made. Yeah. The most experience I have with Blizzard is with Overwatch. Yeah. I played a lot of Overwatch. And Overwatch was, without a doubt, my first experience with a genuinely toxic and terrible community to play with. <laughs> like, Blizzard games Call, are known for that. It's like, ridiculous. Call of Duty is pretty rough, and I played some Call of Duty games, but like Blizzard's very bad, bad at maintaining wow, the same way. a non-terrible well, gaming community. Part of it's just scale. So like I don't remember the exact number, but at some point there was somewhere around like 12 to 15 million people playing WoW. Like it's yeah, if, if one percent of them are terrible. percent of them are terrible, you're gonna have hundreds of thousands of assholes, yeah. right? So, like, I get that part of it, not to say they couldn't do more or whatever, but the thing that disappoints me is, like, Overwatch is a perfect example. Like, Blizzard comes in, and they're like, guess what, guys? We're going to make a genre-defining game. And it used to be that way, that whenever Blizzard stepped up to the plate, whatever they were doing, like, I mean, and look at it. So, Diablo, that is basically, I mean, every hack and slash... Are, action rpg they're called diablo clones for a reason yeah uh we diablo 2 uh remaster got huge was met with huge success probably would have been even bigger but there were a lot of people saying they weren't going to buy it because of what blizzard's pr pr we'll, we'll say their their current pr situation yeah you've got starcraft and warcraft yeah i mean mods for warcraft created the arena uh the moba genre like that's what it started with was defense of the ancients in warcraft 3 um what's the card game they have Hearthstone. Hearthstone, yep. Again, one of, with the, one one of, of the biggest card games in the world. Yeah. Like, people like to knock Blizzard a lot, but they have not only innovated, but their their games have a level of polish that almost no other game or no other game company used to have. That's not really the case anymore. So I don't really see how Microsoft buying them hurts anybody. Yeah. Um, it's kind of like the whole, you know, we heard that Daybreak Games is getting all the MTGO and it's like, cool, could it get much worse? Right. Exactly. So yeah. we're just like, okay, well, apparently Blizzard's in trouble. Microsoft is Microsoft. So they're yep. just like, hey, look, there's uh there, there's a zebra at the edge of the herd with a broken leg. <laughs> <laughs> sure would be a shame if someone bought that company. And <laughs> yep. So like, you know, they're chomping on it. Fair game, go for it. Yeah. Um the interesting thing from our perspective, and I don't know how far we want to go into this, but like one of the things that got brought up was a lot of magic players wishing someone would do that with magic yeah. so that we could get rid of the reserve I, list. The, there's been a Twitter chit chat on, you know, if a company other than Watsy or Hasbro were to own the IP of magic, then theoretically they would have no legal obligation to uphold the idea of the reserve list. Yeah. Assuming wizards does in the first place. 
you know, this that's assuming like seven things in a row. Assuming right. Hasbro sells its most lucrative company by a large margin, assuming the new benefactor comes in and wants to cash cow it out and just make as much money as possible by reprinting reserve list, uh, assuming you know a ton of things. Yeah. Like it's honestly it's a it's a rabbit hole I don't want to go down because it's that's, like that's about the only way to bring it back into math yeah. though is like yeah, and we don't have uh, to discuss all these things, but that's something like it, there was a lot of people like that's the first thing that popped into my head when you shot me that text. Mm-hmm. I was like, my brain auto correct auto corrected. Oh, it'd be Blizzard so cool to Hasbro. Yeah, and I was like, oh, be so cool. That means they don't else. have to do the. Res- I, I like the first thought in my mind was I had to sell my dual lands because <laughs> <laughs> like they're gonna crash, right? Yeah, the, and yeah, then the, I read yeah. the actual. If a new company were to obtain Watsy, then like I would be a little more hesitant of. Stockpiling reserveless cards. Oh, I, if if that happened, I would sell anything I'm not playing. Yeah, because at that point, just, it's just not. To show, it's on the table. Just to show how relatively quiet the week has been for Magic, we're talking about Activision buying. Well, I mean, being sold to Microsoft. <laughs> that's probably the biggest gaming news that's happened in months. Yeah, like outside of just that's a big thing. It's a big deal. Big deal. So, um, the one thing to keep in mind, and I'm, I do not subscribe to this, so this is not a plug or a shill or anything, but. That does open up a lot of options for Game Pass because I know some people, I know quite a few people are really on into Game Pass and like Microsoft had talked about making Game Pass the Netflix of games. And so what they're going to do, and there was a lot of posts and I don't remember all the contents, but it was just like Microsoft now owns the rights to like 20 or 30 of the biggest IPs and Game Pass is starting to become a very real thing where it's just like, wow, I can play almost any of the games. Fun fact, Game Pass gives you access to Minecraft Bedrock Edition. There you go. And you get your first three months for a dollar. One of the biggest games in the world. Pretty fun. So I definitely didn't pay for pay one dollar for three months and then immediately cancel my subscription to get my Minecraft for three months for free. I don't think anybody listening to this is going to complain that you're trying to keep as much of your money yeah. out of Microsoft's hands <laughs> as possible. <laughs> All righty. So, so yeah, as we wrap up our episode today, Matt, is there anything you want to cover that we jumped across no i think we got it all righty well before we head out today i do want to recommend everyone as always check out the plain soccer's podcast will and aramis over at twitch.tv forward slash plain soccer's podcast put on a great show every monday around 7 p.m eastern standard time check them out on wednesday for their commander craft and if you join the discord at discord.plainstalkerspodcast.com you can even ask to join into a game but if you do join the discord make sure and let them know we sent you and then pop over to our channel and give us a hello before I go any further, I do want to give a shout out to Phil. Uh, he gave us, a, he sent us an email this weekend. And I, I saw it a couple days ago. Just some really positive feedback and some interesting ideas over some stuff we've said. And I'm working on getting, the, I'm, I'm trying to draft a response and get out to him. But Phil, it was really cool to hear from you. Thanks, we appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely, it was awesome. If you want to reach out to us like Phil did, hit us up at cantripcartel at gmail.com. Feel free to join our Facebook group. It's actually slowly growing we're getting more and more people uh i feeling more and more obligated to post more things in it can be one of us <laughs> join this uh, it's just cantrip cartel at facebook and you can hit us up on twitter at cantrip cartel matt is there anything i'm forgetting no i think we got it all right well i think we will see you guys next week all right have a nice night guys so i'm gonna go ahead and play my bloodstained mire bracket go get a mountain play drc uh mistress bobble targeting you seen that before (laughs) oh i missed my surveil trigger